Well, we want to uh, welcome you to our Wednesday night service. I know it doesn't look like a Wednesday night service, but trust me, it is. I wanted to do something different for a few weeks. And uh, I'm going to be sitting here with Isaac, and welcome. Glad that you're here, brother. And uh, just ask him some questions and let you be able to um, get to know him a little bit better. There may be some things about him that you thought you knew that maybe you don't know. Uh, There may be some things that uh, we reinforce in your life about him and about his ministry and his calling and uh, that type of thing. We certainly hope that it prompts you to pray. Um, Isaac, I think you've got one of the more difficult ministries in the entire church. Um, I think students, particularly teenagers, as we talk about them, um, they're kind of a different animal in some ways and in other ways they're exactly the same as they were uh whenever i was a teenager back in the uh you know caveman era you know some things don't change the the condition doesn't change it it may manifest itself in different ways human nature you know pretty straightforward yeah yeah i didn't have near as many ways to express my depravity yeah you know yeah and so uh I try real hard as I as I think about, uh, I did this when I was raising my children, and um, even as I look at things now, just say, just because we didn't have as many outlets mm-hmm. for our sin doesn't mean that we're superior yeah. to this generation. Yeah. I, I would have been right in there with them. Yeah. So, um, and in some ways that makes it more difficult for well, teenagers these days. It really it's does, I can more, imagine. More entrapping and more... Uh, just more of a burden, more of a... They have a lot more to think about, a lot more to fight, a lot more. And um, I think also, too, in so many ways in our society, we've made such a mess. I like Alistair Begg. Mm. He says we've made a dog's breakfast Mm. out of uh, so many things. How are they supposed to know what a family is? How are they supposed to know what gender roles are? How are they supposed to know what morality is or anything like that? It hadn't been modeled. We at least had it to where we we knew what we were rebelling against. I don't think these kids now even know what they're rebelling against. And and there's an unlimited number of voices speaking in an unlimited number of different directions that sound equally as appealing as, or if not more appealing, yeah. Than what they typically hear like on a Sunday or And they, they are the generation that does what's right in their own eyes. Exactly. You know, and it's messing them up. Um the very first time I heard you speak, we had you come in for a uh, back to school bash. Yep. And uh you spoke on identity. Okay. okay. So in, in a nutshell, uh, because for a lot of people that's kind of a new term maybe. Yeah. Um, what is that? And how does that apply to you? What, what would you say is your identity? Yeah, the, the notion of identity um, really stems to the core of who we are as people and how we've been created. Um, we try to, in suppressing the truth that God has given to us, uh, as Scripture says, we, we try to find who we are and our purpose through any number of different things. Um, when I teach that that lesson, it's always in five different categories. It's a it's a false identity. It's our we try to find as teenagers try to find our identity in our friends, who we are friends with, who we're not friends with, our attitude, um, how we are at home, at school, playing the different roles, the looks that we have, or the way that we wish we looked, 
the skills that we have or the skills that we wish we had and then our experiences the way things that have happened to us things that we wish would happen to us those kinds of things and it all just boils down to this false idea of why we're here um, the security and the significance that comes not from us internally but from external from from god himself who has designed us for a specific purpose and so the idea of identity is understanding who we are at the core of why we were created and the purpose in which God has given to us, um, stripping away the the idolatry, stripping away the the false identity, and understanding through Scripture who we are and what what our identity really is. And how does that apply to you? Honestly, to me, I I, I feel that um, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> I feel that on a on a significant basis, and I have for for a long time. I was always a, the kind of person that. I changed who I was based on who I was around growing up, even from a little little, little age, um, grade school. I can remember being the kind of person that my parents wanted me to be, being the person that, you know, got got along with people. It doesn't come naturally to me to make friends or to, to really keep strong relationships. So in order for me to have strong relationships or to have friends at an early age, it was important for me to be who I was, depending on who I was around. That obviously caused a lot of trouble when I got to, you know, formative years as a teenager and when stuff really started to, to impact and kind of, in my mind, go wrong in my life and in my family. Um, I went basically like waters, went to the easiest stream, the easiest downhill path. And uh, ultimately... Path of least resistance. Exactly. And so ultimately it led me to, to question who I was, but more importantly to question who God was. Didn't want anything to do with Him. And so the, the process since I was born again since God saved me as at 18 years old has been a process of understanding who I am, why I've been made, how why he created me, what he created me for, and understanding that it was for his glory and to, to show me uh, what true love looks like so that I might glorify him to the fullest. Um, I 100% understand and believe in the, uh, you know, the chief end of man is to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so my purpose is outside of myself I can't be the source of my own purpose and meaning so I can't I can't create my own identity it has to be given to I me would think too that even under the very best of circumstances and teaching I mean if, if you are raised hearing the truth raised in an intact family and you know with a certain amount of security and all of that I would think for somebody who's 14 15 16 17 years old there's not enough span yeah. to really understand what's important and you might still um, identify yourself through athletic accomplishments sure. or your talents or your popularity or something like that yeah. even even at the best yeah. but it's got to be really really tough when you're just grasping for straws yeah. because you've been rejected by everybody yeah. Yeah. and regardless of what that rejection looks like it's going to happen at some point you're I mean the whole idea and the philosophy that there's always going to be something else that you can't do someone else who can do it so i mean we'll never be like the the, the top tier person ever so we'll, we'll experience rejection and that's you know the whole issue of identity goes far beyond middle school high school even though that's the place where we struggle with it the most it still bleeds over into adulthood 100 yeah. percent Whoever said peer pressure was just something for teenagers, that, that's a laugh. Yeah, high school, it, high school never ends. It continues on, doesn't it? And that's why it's so important to understand who we are and who God says we are. 
because having the identity, having our true identity found in Him, that's a place that is never we're never going to experience rejection. We're never going to experience insufficiency because He's all we need. And we all struggle with that still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think even Paul struggled with it. All the the great ones who've gone before us. What's been the biggest challenge to your spiritual in your spiritual journey? Um, to be real transparent, um, I struggle a lot with pride and the desire to be autonomous, trying to function in my own power and trying to either whether it's through gaining knowledge or gaining favor uh, with other people. Not to say that those things are in in themselves bad, but making that the defining characteristic of my life and my ministry and my my marriage as as a you know as a husband or even as a as a parent trying to make myself seem greater than I really am and wanting to function in my own strength my own power rather than you know rather than surrendering everything to to the direction of God and that causes a lot of issues um a lot of a lot of hurt between you know between my wife and and I between my my kids and I and I I always take it as a if there's things going wrong, then it must be them doing something that's causing me to to do this, as opposed to looking in the mirror and realizing that's it's my own pride, Ouch. it's my own fault. Yeah. Ouch. So yeah. I think those are the the two main things to you know wanting to you know going all the way back to Adam and Eve, wanting to be in control of my own life. You've uh, got an inner Emma. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The other day. She was trying to get her shoes on. Asked her if she wanted help. You know what her answer was? I can do it myself. No. <laughs> so she said no, and she got real frustrated trying to do it because she needed help. And I thought, uh, how many times does that happen when someone else asks me, "Can I help you do that?" Yeah. And I will see it like you talked about is well, there must be something wrong with me, or yeah. I'd be able to do this. And then I think about. Um, spiritually you know how many times my father you know says i'm here yeah i'm here to help and i go no i can do it myself yeah. Yeah. and then because then it brings up the whole identity issue of well if i can't help if i don't know how to help you know it just brings up the same feelings of insecurity same inadequacy problems the same uh <laughs> if people really see who i am then they're not really gonna accept me so there's all personal rejection going on there and so in other words high, everything, high everything's, everything's gonna go back to question one exactly <laughs> exactly uh what's your favorite bible book bible verse or passage um yeah based on the based the on the question my favorite book of the bible i've spent a lot of time in first peter um a friend of mine and i were actually we were uh, attempting to to memorize First Peter at one point, and you know, again, functioning out of our own power, it just kind of fizzled. Um, but First Peter's one. The more I the more I read um, in terms of just how deep and how rich it really is, the Book of Hebrews is becoming a a a favorite of mine. Probably edging out First Peter in terms of mm-hmm. personal favorite. Just the the supremacy of Christ above everything else. And I, I see that again with my own identity and with my own power. You know, Christ is m- much more superior than than I am, much more superior than my family history. And the idea that God came as man, um, was our perfect high priest, was the one who identified with us in every way, yet was without sin. He's 
yeah, he understands how we how we are, and yet the fact that he never sinned makes him the the one who is able to, you know, take upon himself our sin, our and satisfy the atonement and the wrath of God, and um, cause us to to come closer to Himself and let us draw it's near with boldness. Particular verse, it's a favorite verse. Um, I I have been spending a lot of time recently in uh, chapter two, verse seventeen, about how He had to become like us in every way. Um, and to, to understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that he was guilty of the sins that we were, but that he satisfied and was faithful in every way that we are unfaithful. Yeah. And I think that's comforting, that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Plus the, um, I think it's in chapter 4, 18. Um, now let us draw near with boldness to the throne of grace. Um, so those are... And where it says that he's able to come to the aid of those who yes. are tempted, yeah. that means a lot to me too because uh, sometimes I think about God. He's standing there going, I knew it. I knew mm-hmm. you were getting ready to do this. Now's my opportunity to yeah. you know, slap you down. Yeah. Instead of thinking that uh, when I'm tempted, when you're tempted, he's actually looking for an opportunity to yeah. help us. Absolutely. You know, uh, I guess it was eye-opening to go... Um, my sanctification is not to prove anything to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the natural process, yeah. and God's more interested in my sanctification yeah. than I am yeah. to help me. Thank so, you. good, very good. Um, let's see. What books other than the Bible have influenced you? Any? There's kind of been one. Uh, one that I changing or, or helpful or something that other people might want to look at. One that was life-changing to me, especially early on in my, my walk, um, after first being saved, it was a book that was given to me by a professor, a good friend of mine, um, John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. Okay. Um, I give that one to all of our graduates. I've uh, changed a little bit in terms of what I give them that as well as something else. Um, but it's a tremendous book about making sure that we understand that we're here for a purpose and to to not seek after the kingdom of God, Matthew 6. Um, all of the other things that we hope our life turns out to be like, um, you know, it's just like presenting shells to, uh, to, to God at the end of our lives. I mean, that was the, he's got that, that seashells, famous seashell sermon. The big story about the seashells and, and then, you know, offering up all the things that we could possibly give by the way, to God. Uh, just in case you think, oh, that's probably a cute little book for teenagers or something. It's not. It's not. He actually is talking to uh, people that would be more in my generation or older yeah. speaking to his. So if you're an older person, if you're retired or facing retirement, that type of thing, that'd be a very good book Absolutely. for you to read. Yeah. And um, so that one was, was real helpful, real, real life-changing. Um, another one would be uh, Spiritual Leadership. Um, I think it was Oswald, Oswald Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. yeah, and just the idea of what it looks like to be a spiritual leader—not even so much in a vocational ministry position, but just what does a spiritual leader look like? And it in that That's book, it, very I, good. I took a lot out of it as to the fact that every Christian is a leader in some way. So we uh, got a bunch of those books, and then we wrote one time to uh, all of the members of the Oklahoma. House and Senate, yeah. and invited them to come to a Sunday morning service, and some of them did. And we gave yeah. them that book and uh, got some feedback on that that it helped them absolutely and encouraged you know some believers there. 
very much. So, yeah, so yeah. I can see why you would like that one. Yeah. Um, let's let's move on into when you talk about students today, again, particularly teenagers. What do you think? Um, just kind of give us what do you think the top five problems that they struggle with? That's a good one. Um, I, I think one hundred percent identity because that is something that reaches far beyond the teenage years. Um, but I, I think identity, not knowing who they are or trying to find who they are in other things or other people is a big one. Um, I think biblical illiteracy is another one. Okay. I remember as a teenager hearing stories but not and never taking root. Um, part of that is the fact that I was not saved. I was not born again. The Spirit was not dwelling inside of me. Um, but biblical literacy and the importance of understanding what Scripture says, not just to repeat it, not just to parrot it back, but just and to understand, understand it. what it what okay. it is. Um, I think a um, tremendous amount of it has to do with low expectations of teenagers. Um, we don't really expect much of them when it comes to their spiritual life, but we we challenge them, and in fact, we we sometimes push them to be the greatest athlete, to be the greatest student. Uh, to be the greatest musician, whatever it may be, to tell them to pursue your dreams. You know, God's there, but pursue your dreams. And uh, in terms of their spiritual life and their spiritual development, there's not much in terms of, no, you need to be involved in this. You know, you commit your life to becoming the best athlete you can. You study the game, you study whatever it is that you can, the mechanics of it, you study your, your instrument, you study a textbook, you study your chemistry book, and you are teenagers are doing some advanced stuff when it comes to, you know, upper class calculus, math analysis. Yeah, it's amazing. And yet we, we pull the reins back when it comes to their spiritual development. We tell them, you know, just meditate on a verse, read a devotional, call it good. Some of the same parents that are, I mean, they're terrified that if they push their kids in spiritual things, well, they'll reject everything and they'll rebel. Those are the same parents that are up yeah. in the stands screaming at yeah. their kids and yelling at their kids or you know, be- when they do something wrong on a football field or something. Or they'll become a zealot and they'll uh, they'll you know yeah. travel across the world and yeah. and yeah. live in poverty their entire life to reach people for Jesus. And so there's this idea of uh, I think the uh, I think the American dream is another big uh, um, struggle, a big a big thing that we have to combat when it comes to teenagers not seeing all that America has to offer, but pursuing what God has to offer. Yeah. Instead of seeing the American dream as the freedom to pursue whatever God has called you to or made you to be, we have another thing in mind. Yeah, I didn't want my kid to sell out to Jesus. I just wanted my daughter not to get pregnant before she was married, my son to stay off drugs and and kind of keep them involved in church. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhat happy. Don't challenge them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think even a lot of adults failed to see that some of our greatest Bible heroes were junior high kids. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, Daniel. David, yeah. Yeah, David and Goliath, mm-hmm. uh, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Were quite young um, since it's Christmas time. The more study I do, the more I see the fact that um, most of the disciples of Jesus were probably in their teenage years. Yeah. Well, Likely. I mean, you know, we, we think <laughs> older. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't really see it. After all, don't push them too hard. They're just kids. Exactly. You can't expect too much out of them. Yeah, and yet uh, so many things happen. Okay. Well, um, what kind of things 
do you do to try to address those? Um, we're we're working on right now in our Sunday school time. We're doing a, a little bit different than the rest of the church. We are working through just some important things to kind of help with Bible literacy instead of. Um, we're working through a book that really lays out it's big truths for young hearts. We're just kind of working mm-hmm. through that, but taking some time to kind of push the students a little bit more to understand not just what we believe, but why we believe it and where to find it for themselves in scripture, which I think is one of the most important things when it comes to spiritual development for teenagers is personal discovery, being able to, to not just see the Bible as something intimidating, but okay, this is, this is where I can go find the answers to the questions that I have. Um, holding them to a high, high level of um, requirements of things like that when it comes to the activities that we do in the summertime or really anything that is student-driven. Uh, we want to hold them to a high level of accountability, not to the point to where they fail and they feel discouraged or rejected, but to show them that they're, they're capable of things, whether it's Mission Arlington, Children's Camp, whatever it may be. They, they have to put time and work into something the same way they, they would at a job. They have to maintain a certain level of accountability and encouraging parents to, to be doing it in the home as well as you know when they come to church. I'm not with them all that often, especially now with COVID and all that, I'm not around them as, as much as I would like to be or as much as we were. Um, so it has to start in the home uh, first and foremost. And then we uh, we come alongside the parents. We help, we minister, we, we tend to, to them as best we can and wanna want to reach the parents as much as the students. So We um, have tried since I've been here to emphasize that, you know, parents are the frontline people that are responsible to do all of that and we provide different ministries for children Awana and student ministry that type of thing to try to help parents do their job not to replace them we agree with that reinforce um, supplement not supplant yeah yeah Yeah. and um, I think for several generations now that's been a something that's been deficient well we take them to church yeah and I've heard um, parents with rebellious children you know that are really in bad trouble when they're adults and yeah. have children of their own and they'll say we don't know what happened we had them in Sunday school every week well I'm glad they did but yeah. if that's all it was yeah. then it probably was something easily rejected we want to reinforce your dad's right your dad's an honorable man your mom is a godly woman and listen to them and And for the the students that we know are born again we don't want to hold students who we're on the fence about in terms of their spirituality to a standard that they can't measure up to the ones that we know are born again we want to make sure that we are encouraging them to know that even if they're acting dishonorably even if they're if they're not if they're not worthy of your respect it's it's still a way of trusting yeah. God, following God, putting dependence on Him to show respect. Because some of them have terrible parents. Absolutely. And come from terrible backgrounds. And also, you have at any given time in the uh, the youth group itself, you've got some of those kids that are born again and some that are not. Yeah. And if they're not, they're not capable of Absolutely. a lot of this. But you can plant seeds Absolutely. and you can love them and spend time with them and help Absolutely. them. You know, so discipleship and evangelism are happening at the same time. At the same time, you can't let them run wild either. Do whatever they want to do. There's got to be restraints and limitations. Give uh, parents just a quick word of encouragement. 
Um, continue to stick to scripture. Continue to, even if you don't see anything happening, even if you don't see anything going on inside of your students. A little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. Um, again, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. It wasn't by anything that those people did, those amazing forerunners, those amazing giants in our faith. They still had to have faith. Um, I like what Stephen Lawson said, that anyone who's ever been saved at any point in human history has been saved by faith, through grace in Christ. And to understand that even though your student might not be responding or seeking God, um, I feel like a lot of the times, and even in my own personal life, we I spend so much time talking to my students about God and very little time talking to God about my students. Mm -hmm. um, seeking, seeking God's will in Scripture and just making a matter of prayer for my students. Um, and I encourage parents to do the same thing. Seek Scripture. Seek Scripture for yourself. And pray for your pray for your parents or pray for your kids. If the prayers of a righteous person accomplish a lot and have a lot of power, one, I want to make sure that I'm a righteous person. Yeah. Because the prayers of a righteous person have mm -hmm. great power. So I want to make sure that I'm righteous and following God myself. And then the the fact that prayer is so essential and staying staying true to scripture in the prayer. So And just enjoy your kids. Absolutely. And to to not you love them where they're at. Um, yeah. show, them a, show them a real God and love them where they're at. It That's goes by very fast. fast. Yeah. It goes by very fast, trust me. Um, favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant? Um, so many come to mind. I love Mexican food, so I, anything, anything Mexican related. Uh, Jenny and I, um, in terms of fast food, we like hot sandwiches, so Potbelly is one of our favorites. Um, <laughs> Restaurant though, oh, I'm trying to remember. Um, there used to be a place that Jenny and I used to love going to, but it closed down. It's Spaghetti Warehouse. It's where we um, went. Yeah. Uh, it's where we went when we got engaged. Where we went when uh, we were on our starting out on our honeymoon. So uh, favorite restaurant that is no longer a restaurant. It's Spaghetti yeah. Warehouse. So snack. What kind of snacks do you like? I like anything. Uh, basically anything salty or spicy. I like flaming hot Cheetos and. Dr. Pepper, that kind of thing. I'm not a huge sweets fan. Um, I'll eat it, you know, during the Christmas time. I find myself eating a lot more cookies than I figured. But cookies are good. Chocolate chip cookies are always good. So if you want to do something to bless him, give him a spaghetti warehouse gift card. The only one, I think the only one around here is Dallas. <laughs> yeah. So in that area, so yeah. You could probably can do drink. that. But, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're probably going, I wanted to do something for Christmas, and now you gave them a so sorry. closed <laughs> restaurant. But Mexican, anything Mexican? Mexican food, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when you think about a well-rounded, um, balanced student ministry, um, I kind of think about it. It's up in our children's department, and it's something that's been on my mind for a long time. Luke 2.52, yeah. he grew in... Wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I know you could use that if you wanted to. What, what kind of thing would define if you if you had um, unlimited resources and, um, uh, and and I mean by that money, volunteers, um, participants, all of that kind of thing. What 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 would a well-rounded student ministry look like? In terms of the volunteers and the resources, um, people who love God and like teenagers, um, 
I would say love God and love teenagers because they are a hard group of uh, people, but they're worth it. They're they're difficult at times to to communicate and get through to. But there's always the there's this idea that you have to be relevant to get through to them. But in in reality, I've I've given that up a long time ago. I'm sure that I don't seek out to be relevant. I seek out to be educated. I want to be I want to be aware yeah. of what's going on. But to try and relate to them. You know, the older I get, the less it disappears. And I realized well, that scripture, is more, fake. scripture is more relatable than anything yeah. that culture has to offer. Um, a well-rounded youth ministry in terms of our students, to, to kind of piggyback on Luke 2.52. Um, students who, you know, are, are biblically literate, that's important for us to, for them to be able to, to know what scripture says. Um, to be able to, I think one of the main things is to, help students see and seek truth in scripture for themselves because youth pastors come youth pastors go volunteers come volunteers go um i think about isaiah the flower the flower fades the grass withers but the word of god continues to to remain forever um it is for that psalm 11989 you know god's word is firmly fixed in the heavens and so to help guide students to to make it a place to make our student ministry here but also anywhere else that we may meet um to make it an enjoyable place i don't want it to be something that's stale or something that isn't enjoyable or fun to come to that's definitely a thing that we want to 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 seek but we don't want to make that the the main thing um what you win them with is what you win them to Mm -hmm. and so we want to have a place to where they can come hang out maybe escape life for you know an hour two hours however long we're here with having fun absolutely um but we want the the focus of our ministry to be you know seeking to help students for themselves grow in wisdom and in stature with with god and with man because yeah you know we're reading through exodus you're preaching through exodus and there was a time where the people of israel they depended on moses to bring down a word for them from god now under the new covenant under christ the satisfaction of that is the fact that you know we can tell them go up on the mountain yourselves go seek god yourself go go see god through scripture for yourself and i think a lot of the times the reason that students walk away from the faith is because it wasn't really their faith to begin with we don't if i could interject we don't want your children your grandchildren whomever it may be to grow up and for the rest of their lives, look back and say, "Well, the best time of my life was when yeah. I was a teenager." Absolutely. And and they can never recreate that. We want to propel them. Yeah, we want them to have fond memories because honestly, I think the reason why we have so many adults acting like teenagers is because as teenagers they weren't shown how to follow God as an adult. Yeah. To to use these years, these teenage years, whoever it may be, grand, you know, grandkids or kids, propel them forward to to give them something to to latch on to but also to to tell them you know the great commission doesn't stop once you've graduated high school well what encourages and motivates you um it's really encouraging and motivating to to be able to do what i do with my wife to know that there's there's support there there's 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 so much love and support and understanding and she's a she's a tremendous help um tremendous motivator tremendous um, accountability to know that you know if things are strained if I'm getting discouraged and things she's always really good at you know helping me stay focused helping me stay accountable and I think that's 
that's something that I also want to encourage all of our students is to, to find people to, to help motivate you. Christianity is not a one-man sport. <laughs> it's not a it's not to be lived out in isolation. You have to have people around you that encourage it, encourage you, motivate you. Leaders that you can look to. You and Pat, you and Brother Dale have been incredible motivators, incredible encouragement. Um, seeing the the things that we talk about on Wednesdays, we're going through First John, not to not to preach, but we're just as a as a group, we are kind of using a fine tooth comb and just kind of reading through it together, making making notes however we can. Uh, on Sundays, we're we're dealing with some important topics as to what Scripture teaches us about Christianity, rather than what Christianity teaches us about Scripture. We want to make sure that the Scripture is what speaks for itself, and that's the that's something that's been encouraging as of late. Um, just spirits really been doing a work in me to, to show me the sufficiency of the scriptures to where it's you know I might not have all the words I might not know how to how to reach all the students but scripture is able to do that mm -hmm. when uh, someone comes up and they do something for you or they write you a note or um, does that I'm, I'm, are, are you? We, do you get encouraged by words of affirmation? Yes, absolutely. Like um, we did the love languages, Jenny and I. I think we did it with you guys. Mm -hmm. um, but um, words of affirmation are are a big deal. So anybody who's ever written me a card, I have them. Um, I keep them in a very special, and very. There are like three or four different spots because I can never be like super like organized with them. But I keep. Every uh, every encouraging letter, even even if it's a critical letter, I I, I enjoy pulling it out every now and then. I don't look at it as much. Um, yeah. not, not to say that I've gotten a lot of them, but there are some that have been constructive criticisms that are important, kind of help keep a check. But I, I keep all of the encouraging letters. And there's one that's given to me just recently by uh, by a couple of ladies in the church that really meant a lot. Um, kind of the behind the scenes stuff that that we do. So that was encouraging. Good. Yeah. Okay. Let's combine these last two. If you were to um, write a brief letter to your 18-year-old self, what would you say? And then secondly, let's go to the end. If uh, we lived in the day where they put epitaphs on tombstones, yeah. what would you want your epitaph to be? So let's go back and say... What would you do differently, like at the beginning of your adult life? What would you say to that person? Um, and then let's go to the end. How do you how do you want? What's your hope for it ending up? Yeah. Um, to to write a letter to you know my early adult self. Um, you know, I, I struggle with, you know, what would I say to myself? Would I say anything? Because, you know, we obviously understand the, the providence of God and directing us and where we go. But honestly, um, wasted... Uh, I wasted so many years... trying to trying to be who I wanted to be. Um, Back to question one. Yeah. And uh, I got saved at 18. I uh, grew up in church for, for, you know, basically my entire life. Um, but again, that wasn't who I was. Uh, 
that wasn't my identity of what God hadn't God hadn't regenerated me God hadn't given me saving faith um, if I had died before the age of 18 even though I was baptized even though I made you prayed professions and made prayed prayers yeah walked aisles rededicated my life at summer camp every year um, would have been separated from him for forever and that would have been worse than even the ho- most horrible torment in hell but at 18 I mean to write my letter back to to my early adult self is to uh, cling to scripture I don't cling to my own personal thoughts my opinions of things my my interpretations of things because I'm I'm flawed <laughs> mm-hmm. in in more ways than, than I care to admit um, wanting to uh, being a chronic people pleaser trying to be whoever I am and I still I still struggle with that that whole identity issue um, but pursue God cling to scripture the promises that he's given to us um, seek him I mean seek the seek the kingdom of God more so than the favor of man to do so to, to seek to seek the kingdom will we'll, God will provide favor with with others um, but in terms of my 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 tombstone, my gravestone. Um, either, uh, either it's not about me, or uh, probably m- more closely to my heart is "Soli Deo Gloria," to to the glory of God alone. Because ultimately, that's that's my identity. I, I can't that I is. can't escape that. I can't escape the fact that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Him. I'm everything that I have, everything that he's blessed me with, everything that he's allowed me to go through is for his glory and for my good. So, If you can live for the glory of God, obviously we can't do that perfectly. Yeah, everything I'm talking about right now, on earth. everything I'm talking about right now, I fall short of but on a regular basis. As somebody said one time, I've quoted it several times, it's direction, not yeah, perfection. Exactly. And if you can leave that behind for your children, for the people you minister to, it was, yeah. and they can agree it was for the glory of God, then yeah. well done. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, when I die, I don't want to leave behind this whole treasure trove of imperfections and he really was not the man that we thought that he was um, yeah. leave a legacy that you know was established for me by you know can be traced all the way back to Adam um, flawed but pursuing a great God yeah well Isaac thank you for taking the time yeah. to do this and time, uh, thank you all for yeah. taking the time to listen to this I hope you know him a little bit better and understand his heart and uh, his passion for ministry and know how to pray for him. There may be some things that you uh, heard that you say, amen, boy, that's good, and you're more fired up now. Um, And then there may be some things that you go, well, I think he kind of missed the mark on all of that. You know what that (laughs) is? An opportunity to pray for his growth in those areas. Um, You may be right, and he may uh, have some things that he'll change. He's a a young man and he is learning and growing um, like we all are and uh, then at the same time maybe he said some things that you look at and you go I need to explore that a little bit more maybe you need to do some praying about it and you may come to agree with him um, it's called sanctification exactly. and that's why we're here to help each other and to encourage each other and I hope we have been an yeah. encouragement Absolutely. to you we love you we're glad that God sent you 
to Graceway, and we're uh, proud of the work that you're doing and grateful for what God's doing in your life, and we thank you for helping us too. So uh, thank you, and uh, I pray that the Lord blesses you, and maybe next time we do this, we might get Brother Dale in here, okay? Uh, Thank you very, very much. Yes.